Welcome to the ODA Magazine podcast series. We at ODA wanted to give you the opportunity to dive even deeper into the worlds of the people we get to spend time with. By creating podcasts featuring conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs in all different areas of artistry. From designers, curators, and actors, to philanthropists, models, singers, and photographers. The one through line for each of the podcasts in this series is that they highlight the work of individuals from around the world who participate in and nourish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. ODA is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. For the first time during his tenure as the creative director of Berluti, designer Chris Van Ash collaborated with a living artist to bring his spring-summer 2021 menswear collection to life. And it was the colorful, textural, and free-form art pieces by the highly respected American ceramic artist Brian Rochefort that caught Van Ash's eye. An avid ceramics collector, Van Ash was able to reinterpret Rochefort's bold and layered vision into silk-printed shirts, three-dimensional knitwear sweaters, and richly patinaed leather Berluti accessories. The result is an elevated collection where artists, artistry, and the artisanal are celebrated in perfect harmony. Chris and Brian spoke with ODA executive editor Jessica Michaud for this interview. Talk to me a little bit about how you first discovered each other's work. Uh, well, I guess I should start with that. Um, well, the thing is that uh, I've, I was interested in, in ceramics for many, 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 many years. Uh, and I guess the way it started is that I started out with uh, 50s French ceramics, which, is, which kind of sits with a design that I love uh, elsewhere, like the, the, the Pierre Genret furniture and all that. So, so I was very much into that. And then... Uh, when you do research for that in books or in galleries or exhibitions or whatever, they they kind of often come with these ceramics from the 50s uh, because they were basically made at the same time and so they make sense. And so I've, I, I was into that for a very, very long time and then little by little I learned about contemporary people doing ceramics. Um, and Brian just kind of literally popped out through, through, well, the color explosion and through the liberty that comes with them. Because, I mean, the 50 ceramics are really beautiful and, and, and I mean, I have a beautiful collection of those, mainly Paul Schombost, and I'm, and I'm very fond of it, but there is something very um, almost, um, how do you say this in English, um, there's, there's something restrained about it. Well, what I really loved when I, when I came across Brian's work was the, 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 the liberty and the freedom that, that, that jumps in the eye. So that's how I learned about his work. And I had seen quite a bit of it. And then there was this major exhibition in London at the end of 2019. And that kind of, um, that was the first time that I saw such a big group of the work together. And, and that kind of made me really want to do something. So that was the turning point. Because first was just about, I mean, wanting to maybe just have a piece of that uh, at my house, but then it became like, maybe this can be actually something else. And for you, Brian, what, when, when Chris came knocking, you're like, 
who's this crazy fellow who, I mean, what was the, what was the first, first gut reaction? Um, well, I knew, I knew about, uh, the brands that he was associated with. So I didn't know Chris by name. Um, I think I knew that he was following me at the time on, on social media. Um, but I knew that, uh, just by researching him that he was, uh, highly regarded in his field. Um, through his past projects with Dior and then Berluti, which are two huge um, designers that I was very familiar with. So um, I have a, I have a lot of friends because I'm in the arts. I, I know a lot of people in in the fashion industry, and all I had to do was call them up and ask them their opinion. And they were like, "Oh yeah, it would be a great opportunity for you to work with somebody who's so well respected." Um, and that's how we kind of got, that's how I got familiar with, with Chris. And I guess I would ask you then in relationship to the, the medium to a certain extent, what it is about the ceramics you, Chris, you touched upon that you've been a collector and you like the 1950s. And of course, Brian, this is your medium of expression. What is it about ceramics, the clay that, that pulls you, calls to you? Okay. So, um, I think it's it's good to understand my my background a little bit. Um, I'm 35 and I've been doing ceramics pretty much full time uh, since I was 14 years old. So that's uh, 21 years um, since I was a freshman in high school. And every semester throughout high school and then through college, I got a degree in, in ceramics and a subsequent fellowship and then became a teacher and then a full time artist. So I've been doing this for so long, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, and now I'm doing it um, as my job, which is pretty amazing. It's such an under, even though it's, ceramics is very, very popular right now, it's in every gallery and every museum um, and auction. It's still kind of uh, unexplored. I mean, that's, that's my goal with material. It's always been my goal to push the material as far as possible. I, I come at the uh, the medium with a very painterly and expressive uh, technique and approach, and um, color and, and texture is my thing. And I mean, I uh, even though it's very very meticulous, I try to make it as expressive and wild as possible. And um, I feel like I'm kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit. With, with the material. And I think that's where, that's why my work is getting uh, a lot of attention because mm -hmm. even though like so many people are using it, there's, it's still not being uh, pushed to the limits. There are, there are artists who are working in very, very big, large scale, but I feel like the, the material is not being explored enough. And that's, that's where I, I really want to, um, that's what I want to do with my career mm -hmm. is kind of like dissect the material, um, formulate my own, my own glazes and manipulate the, the, uh, the chemicals to do something that's just totally, uh, wild or like not really, um, used in a traditional way. Mm -hmm. like it would be like the opposite of what Chris is, um, was collecting, uh, it's like very, not classical, but a traditional, um, functional, mm -hmm. yeah, functional. Mine's like the antithesis of that. 
but in a very expressive kind of painterly way, um, referencing a lot of the Abex artists that I really loved growing up um, and the contemporary painters and um, people that I that I really appreciate, as as well as like the the uh, important ceramic uh, artists that that I really enjoyed in. in college like Ken Price and, and Peter Volkis, like all of those, all of those, uh, th those historical references are present in my, in my works. For me, it's, I guess it's, it's what I call my ongoing learning process. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in a very traditional family. I didn't really get a very, I mean, I don't come from, from, I don't come from an artistic background. So I just know when, I guess a little bit like Brian, when I was 12 or 13, I, I really knew that I wanted to get into fashion, which was like a total weird thing within my family. Um, but so I, then I ended up going to the, the academy and I guess, I guess my first learning process was all about fashion and then obviously fashion photography and then photography in general, and then maybe architecture and then maybe I mean, art in general, and then design somewhere comes into the process. It's like a, a, a snowball that keeps on rolling. And, and through design, I came to ceramics. And what I guess I like so much about it, um, especially what I like about Brian's work, is that the more our world becomes so digital and things can't be touched and things are all virtual or through screens or whatever, the, the human aspect of it, the fact that it's handmade, that it's a unique piece, that every piece is a one piece, um, that you can actually feel, I mean, you know that he gets his hands dirty. Uh, that approach I, I very much like. And when I go back to it, it's what I, I mean, in a very different way, it's what I used to like wor working with tailors because every sleeve is, a hand, is, is, is done by hand and there's not two tailors in the world that will make exactly the same type of sleeve which also then relates to what people do at, at Berruti when it comes to Martina, which never two people will make exactly the same brown. So I'm very sensitive more and more throughout the years. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive towards the, the human side of things, even more so. And, and Brian's work I mean, is is very much about that. So, so, so for me, it's it, it it really makes sense as an evolution. That's interesting you say that because you know you you talk about the artist's hand, seeing the artist's hand in the in the creation, and that's something that appeals to you. And and yet, this first collaboration that you've ever done, you know, as during your career at Boluti, it's you know two years. This is the first time you're reaching out to another artist to collaborate with, but you do it during a pandemic where you can't physically be with each other, you can't touch and 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 you know have that kind of aspect of it. So, can you talk to me a little bit about did that help or hinder hinder or how, what was that dynamic like? Well, the thing is that when I reached out to Brian, I well, the thing is I had already one piece of his work in my collection, so I could touch it <laughs> that was that was good um but the, the the truth about it is that we had no idea that we were heading towards a pandemic mm -hmm. that's the truth 
when I reached out to, to Brian, I thought we were going to have a fashion show. I thought we were going to be business as usual. Mm -hmm. So we, we, I mean, I might've, I might've gone to LA to, to visit the studio that, that could have been really nice. And what for sure, what would have been great is to have Brian in Paris for, for, for the show. All that, I didn't even question that when mm -hmm. we started. I mean, I've been working in fashion for over 20 years and this never happened. There has never been not a fashion week uh, ever since I started my career. So, so I, there was no way that I could that I could imagine that. Um, but it was not necessarily such a big problem in the sense that, obviously, what what I like about what I like about Brian is the color explosion and and yes, texture also. But texture within fashion is obviously going to be a reinterpretation because we're talking ceramics or we're talking clothes or accessories. So mm -hmm. that is not that was not necessarily the main focus. The main focus was really the the, the use of color and the layering of the colors, which which I then conceptually related to the layering of colors within patina. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's there is the artisanal approach which is Baruti, and then there is the arts approach which is Brian. And so in that sense, for me, it, it made sense to do it as a first collaboration. I mean, the first two years at Baruti for me was about trying to figure out what the relationship between me and Baruti was going to be about. There was no room for a treat something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but after two years, I guess when, when the silhouette took shape, when the, the, the attitude took shape, when, when I felt quite comfortable twisting the heritage, then there was room for a third person at the table mm -hmm. and to have a full-on creative contemporary input. Because there is something that I totally love about arts, uh, art, 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 craft, mm -hmm. craft, um, but it also tends to be very comfortable in its, in its comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to push craftsmen out of their comfort zone. And that's where it's really nice to have an art influence like Brian and to basically confront people to that. Like, how do you react to this? And so in that sense, it, it was very, very interesting. So the good thing about Brian is that he works with a very good photographer, very good way of documenting his works. And so that was for us a, a really good tool to, to work with. So the photo material was used to, to print on silk shirts, on silk sportswear pieces. Um, but then we also gave the pictures to people hand knitting and they would basically like scratch their head and go like, okay, so what do we do with this? But that then becomes an interesting working process and then I would also give these images to the patina people and say, okay, both of you layer color, you just really go about it in a very different way. So how can, how can you try and do it a little bit with your techniques into his world? And, and so that then gets a ball rolling, which, which is interesting because that's, that's pushing people's buttons and, and that's interesting. Brian, did this collection push your buttons in the sense that was it about you surrendering your creations and just seeing what somebody else would come up with and, and do? And, and um, or there's a more of a back and forth where it was like, let's make a selection here, the here go wild and, and I'll see you at the show. How much, how much of the back and forth was, and then also kind of just your 
reaction when you first saw these different layered ways that Chris reinterpreted your babies? Um, there wasn't too much back and forth. I, I mean, I pretty much surrendered all my, all the pictures to, to Chris and his team. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really push any particular image or any piece onto, onto the, onto Chris. Um, I trusted him with whatever, whatever he, he needed. I mean, I submitted, uh, uh, maybe like 80, 80 images, 80 works to choose from. And, um, he sent me some, some preliminary designs, uh, later on and I did not have any, any issue with them. And I, I didn't really feel like it was, I was in any position to do that. I, I feel like, uh, I did my part, um, by making these objects. And then Chris is, is the kind of master of his craft and the, his own boss. So there was, there was no conflict whatsoever. And I felt totally comfortable doing it. Otherwise I wouldn't have signed up. If there was any hesitation, um, then I probably would like, it would have been a different kind of, uh, collaborative. Mm -hmm. So have, do you now have pieces that, do you have your Berluti collection, Berluti, you know, and Brian collection of pieces now that, in, that you possess and wear and enjoy? No, I do have one piece that Chris sent me. It's the, the tote bag, which is uh, amazing. It's the first piece that, I, that I've seen in, in real life. And the details are, are really amazing. I mean, from the images that I've seen, I can see that all the layering and, and the, the, the palpability that Chris is talking about. But when you see it in real life, there's so much variation in, in sheen and, and texture. And finally, I was able to get one the other night. Um, I do have uh, a shopping list and that was, I was given that uh, like a stipend by, by Bouloudi. So what, I don't know if it's coming to Beverly Hills or not, but eventually I'll be able to shop. I already know which ones I'm going to get. No, no, that it, but the thing is that the, the collection is literally hitting the stores like this week or something, mm -hmm. right? First pieces, like, I mean, it hasn't been more than, than a week. So, but yeah, yeah definitely, definitely but, bring the... So I, yeah, I have a, I mean, I have a, a Berluti budget and then I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff for my, for just to have forever. I feel like this, this is like a really important project for me. I, I should have as much as possible. I think you should have as much as possible too. Um, so Chris, I've known you for forever and a day, it feels like. Um, Brian, it's clear that color, you know, plays such a huge role in everything that you do. I just want to um, drill down a little bit more into that, that color story and the texture story and how important it was to get that right and, was, and, and to talk about how in, the role that color and texture played in, in expressing this collection, I guess, is the question I want to ask. To me, right? My yeah, sculpture. but well, to Chris, let's ask, yeah, Chris, because I, I mean, okay. honestly, Brian, your your sculptures, I'm totally fascinated in love, and I tried to Google and see how much one was, and if I'd have to sell one of my children to get one, <laughs> and, um, and maybe the third board, we'll see, but, uh, um, you know, I, I just, I was wowed by the color play, and then the texture, and the, the different patinas and the sheens and and to be able to translate that into the clothing i mean hats off to you chris it's no small feat um for me how how the question is how did color sneak into my yeah yeah and how did you yeah bring all of that vibrancy <laughs> and texture 
too is an ongoing evolution and it's true that i mean coming from my darkish gothic anthropish background it's and which which i mean i which i still very much love but i guess that's also the the ongoing process i mean even even i guess colors need in true art and design and and i do remember the first time that i got a, a pierre jeanneret for like a chair there, there it was a, a a set of of two chairs and one was black and one was red and i was like oh my god am i gonna live with a red chair um so that i remember that because it was like the first time and and i used to only have like black and white photography or something and 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 little by little well through ceramics mostly um color sneaked in mm-hmm. and then i guess painting sneaked in and, and and more colorful things and then obviously also work wise well coming from dior and attacking berluti the thing is also like how do you reinvent yourself i mean it's what 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 am i going to be in this world of berluti and for me berluti came with color came with patina came with 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 yeah the the the, the work of color mm-hmm. so that was definitely a new thing uh for me a new challenge for me but it was also part of the interesting side of of mm-hmm. of, of doing something new mm-hmm. so um i guess coming from the design and the and and the ceramics and the arts being already comfortable with that as color use i guess then it was just a way of translating that into fashion and i've been enjoying it really very much and 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 each season is a step further in that in that uh, working process um but but it's also i mean i also the fact that i'm attracted to brian's work as an, as art is then also provoking myself into to 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 seeing how how can that then what can that provoke within me within my work mm-hmm. so so it's it's a bit of a trick i play with myself i guess mm. but to to just keep things interesting talk to me a little bit more about you know the challenges and the surprises that went on in in this collection i mean we can talk about the challenges of okay we're in a pandemic everything shut down granted maybe you were you were further along in the process for this collection than maybe the this the one for fall winter what were the what were those piece those moments where you know things switched on a dime or you know turned on a dime or or those moments where you're like all right let's try this talk to me a little bit about that part of it the the things that surprised you or pushed you creatively well it it was it was definitely a challenging uh working process because part of what we do as as designers and as creative people is is trying stuff especially when you work with, with 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 if you if you have a starting point as 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 Brian's work then you just want to basically go to factories go to go to the color people go to the leather people go to the accessory people go to the fabric people and and just try and develop as much as i mean that's that's the big part of my work is teamwork mm-hmm. trying to provoke things from from professional people and see how they react to whatever i i i i throw at them and all at once that was put on on hold and both for the fact that uh factories closed the the fact that we could not travel anymore not being able to go neither to LA neither to Italy 
all that was a very new situation for me. And then I also realized that for time reasons, we would not be able to produce a collection as big as usual. Um, so I needed to constantly select and, and edit my own work, but without being able to try it first. Usually mm. we, ed we edit in the process and mostly at the end. Now it had to be edited before we would actually launch because if your factory if your factory tells you they can actually make twenty shirts but not fifty, then you then you need to really choose carefully before. And and that was the case for the whole for the whole thing. It was very frustrating, um, but also quite interesting because it reminded me a little of when I used to have my own label, where for many reasons I was obliged to always edit also really early in the process. So there is something quite interesting about it, brings you even back to certain student moments. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not the ideal way of working. Mm. But in the end, I have to say, um, also thanks to the fact that then we decided not to, to, to show within the June Fashion Week and to give us the extra month and a half, uh, that did allow for the collection to really come out great. So, so in the end, I'm really happy about it. But, it's, but it was a frustrating way of working. Hmm. Um, Brian, we're talking about way of working. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you is your your work seems very as creative and colorful and, and textured as as it is. It feels like it's a very um, one one man show kind of process. You're on your own, or is there that collaboration? And what was it like to have this? this collaboration happen in relationship to your usual way of working? Yeah, I, uh, I work by myself in my studio. Um, even pre-COVID, I mean, I had an assistant, but it was uh, hardly ever. Like, I, I really enjoy being by myself in my, my own studio. Um, I think I'll, I'll be working by myself for as long as possible. Um, I have a little dog now, so it keeps me company. The only, the restrictions are right now are size limit limitations. Um, my sculptures are, I don't know if you've ever seen them in real life, but they're big and they're heavy, um, like 70 pounds. So I have to lift them by myself and bigger and I have to get, uh, some help. Um, I manage all my business myself too, but, and that's one thing that I'm kind of learning. Um, as far as like getting, one of the most difficult things is getting feedback, mm. um, during COVID, um, inviting people to my studio sometimes is even other artists, like it's, it's not easy to get honest feedback from, from fellow artists, friends, because they never want to give their honest opinion because they're afraid that they're going to burn a bridge or you're going you're gonna to lose a friend. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely uh, a difficult thing as, as like an independent artist not having assistants around to ask mm -hmm. to pick their brains, which a lot of uh, big artists do. Um, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's, this is the way I want to work. I don't know. Like <laughs> Sterling Ruby has 50 people working for him. Uh, this, hopefully I can, I can do this for as long as possible. Yeah. There's like, I never collaborate with other artists. I've been asked so many times. Um, I get my, my, uh, my inspiration from all sorts of, of different things. Uh, I mean, like Chris was talking about, I mean, 
I've always worn all black. Uh, not a super colorful guy. I'm very quiet and um, kind of bashful. And I make these like really wild and loud sculptures. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of been that way. Um, from what I've from what I've uh, heard from other people who have kind of tried to dissect my work, it's like maybe maybe it's like my alter ego. It's like it's like a different part of me that's trying to escape. Um, I think the the color aspect of, of my studio, a lot of a lot of the color development over the years has come with with confidence in working with specific with color combinations. I don't think I would have gotten to this point without without really studying color. Uh, color matching or color combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go overboard. I usually pick, like maybe I start off with one or two colors and then I pick a complementary color. And over time I, I introduce a, a new uh, color or texture and, and then I start, I start to build confidence with, with these combinations. And that's how I have gotten really uh, good. And that's how my, my works have become even uh, more and more colorful. And that's mm-hmm. based on confidence i mean I, I i never pick like eight colors because then things get muddy things get too too wild and crazy mm-hmm. so. um for each of you what were your biggest takeaways from this collaboration brian you say you're you know you you're you know a lone wolf as it were you don't do collaborations you know you you re- i know you reached out and was and knew of chris's work without maybe knowing chris um but for both of you, what was the, the biggest pleasure of, of, of this experience, you know, especially during a time that was so uncomfortable for many people, except for us loners, Brian, because I was fine being, in my, being at my house to, by myself. But tell me, talk to me about the joyful part of, of this process. Um, okay, I think um, there's a lot. I mean, there's, for like, personal reasons like uh it's just really exciting to to uh, expand my this my work and, and to see it in such a, a different context it's such a, it's a totally different field i mean i went to um the rhode island school of design where a lot of my they had a huge fashion uh, apparel department and i have a lot of friends in and just in uh, in apparel and in fashion and now it's like i never even thought I would uh, dabble in it and now I'm like Chris invited me to do this project and um, to see to see my images and my work and was like with this collaborative and storefronts all around Europe Hong Kong and soon to, uh, the United States is, is totally crazy um, it's very exciting like it's, it's totally wild experience and, and it happened so so quickly mm-hmm. um, and I when I when I first went into this uh, agreement, this project, I didn't really, I didn't know how big of a project it would be. And I didn't know like the extent that Chris would bring it to it, like the, the, uh, like the storefronts and like the, the, the line, uh, the, the amount of uh, designs that he would produce was much bigger than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was a really, exciting for me to see as an up-and-coming artist. Chris, that must be, it's one of the things that I love when I, you know, when I find, I mean, back when you and I were both younger, you know, highlighting young designers and telling people about, you've got to look at this person. 
How does it feel for you to be in that position now to be like, I'm going to use the might and the, and the, the reach and the breadth and the, and the um, history of Berlucci and, and give this platform to, to Brian to a certain extent, to, to the world, to share him with the world in a way he never has before. How did that feel for you? I, I don't see it like that because Brian definitely doesn't need that. I mean, Brian has his has his own world, and there is absolutely no need for this kind of publicity. For me, I mean, the truth is that it's for me the pleasure about this was to be able to have these kind of conversations. And and I mean, as I mentioned before, this is obviously not the first time that we have the conversation. And, and it's just really nice to be able to, I mean, I'm very comfortable with this. I'm a bit of a, uh, like a, a solitaire also when I, when I work, I'm, I'm very much on my own. And it's, it really is the first time that, that, that a collaboration takes this type of proportion, but I'm very, very comfortable uh, with it because it, it, it also keeps things interesting for me. I mean, it's just really nice to have a creative to have an artist at the table. I mean, that's just very refreshing. And I guess what 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 is is great is that even though for some people it might be a stretch going from the Beruti world into Brian's world, and to see how well it's been received, uh, that that was beyond my expectations because I mean. I, I, I was kind of confident that, that, that some people would get it because, I mean, I'm, I, I love the work and, I'm, and I was quite confident that we could make something great out of it. But the, 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 the reactions have really outpassed my, my expectations, really, for sure, definitely. So is this the, the beginning of a beautiful friendship? <laughs> well, it would be nice if at one point we would be able to travel again. <laughs> Because I mean, it's definitely for sure that next time I'm in LA, I would love to 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 obviously visit your studio, Brian. Because I yeah. mean, I've seen so much images, and we made I mean, we made this beautiful little documentary uh, at at your studio, and I mean, it, it it looks totally amazing. So I'd love to I'd love it to 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 evolve towards that. And then, like now, you also have this. Uh, you're showing Milan is opening next week. Is that it? Um, on the fourth or fifth. Um, I think it's private opening on the fourth, and then publicly it'll be technically open on the fifth. Yeah, just to be able to already go to to Milan without having to quarantine or test or whatever would would already be a nice change. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'd love to go there. I'm not sure that I will make it, but I would love to. Yeah, usually I go to. Um, I'm sure. Chris and I will meet for sure. Uh, I mean, I go to Europe three times a year, usually. Um, I usually have two shows in Europe per year. Um, and I usually travel to like two or three different countries. Paris is probably my favorite city in, the, uh, in, in Europe. Mm. So well, I go there all the time. I've been like 15 times. Well, well, I tend to go to LA quite often too, but I haven't been in like a year and a half now. So mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, we should all get together, the three loners that we are, once, you, <laughs> once we're able to travel. Um, I, I want to ask uh, one kind of uh, final question, because you brought it up uh, earlier, um, Chris. You, again, fashion shows, there's all, the rhythm of the fashion shows, the deadline, and then you talked about how you were able to push back and that you did this, this video, which really get, brings us into the Brian's world in a way that I found 
incredibly engrossing and your world as well. It was a very layered and textural uh, film. What was, what was that like for you? What was it like to not have that albatross on your back or that deadline on your back and, and to be able to express yourself with in the, in this way that's so different for, for everybody. But I'm curious to hear about you. I like fashion shows. Uh, and I definitely feel that the risk of the current situation, the risk of, of judging everything through a screen uh, digitally, uh, it allows for many people to get away with a lot of crap. And, and, and well, I mean, it's true. It's true in my field. It's true. In, it's true in painting and sculpture, like huge, big time. Yeah, big, big time. So, so definitely, this is this situation is definitely a risk for luxury because if you can't touch, if you can't see up close, if you can't see the thing in movement, if you can't see it up close, then definitely there is too much that 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 can't be appreciated, mm -hmm. and and it really narrows down even more so the differences between high-end and, and mainstream and and it is definitely luxury it's definitely a problem it's 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 a it's a big risk for 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 brands like Berluti where you need to to understand the difference in order to understand well the the, the pricing and the positioning mm -hmm. so i i'm i'm very frustrated about that and and i hope that won't last too long mm. okay. and i mean it's I've, I've surprised myself enjoying the, the making the video uh, because I never really love to do that. I don't, like I don't like to show people how work is done. I like people to see the end result. And I don't need to see the, the kitchen to appreciate the food, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I, I never really want to show the work in process, but in June that just seemed like the best idea because that was about as good as I could do it at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but so I, so I did surprise myself enjoying it, enjoy being able to 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 explain because that's another risk of our times is mm -hmm. that people judge things in thirty seconds and nobody gets the background. So now that has definitely been very positive about this, the fact that that we can do these kind of conversations because usually people say, oh yeah, he found an artist. Mm -hmm. Like now we we know who the artist is and why it's there and why we did it and how we worked it and blah. So it it has been interesting. But I do want to go back to, to, to the real emotion. I mean, I love those last five minute drama moments when the lights go down and people get impatient and photographers start whistling because they're tired of waiting. I mean, I love that. I love fashion shows. Mm -hmm. the, the famous, yeah, wish, yeah go I ahead, Brian. I could have experienced that too, but, oh well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> It would have been a wild night, that's for sure. I know how to party. <laughs> well, it sounds like there needs to be a, um, a, another collaboration to make sure that Brian gets out and has a good party. Well, with a bit, well, of, luck, with a bit of luck, everybody will be wearing your pieces for June. For and partying. June. So, so that's kind of okay, too. <laughs> so wait, there's going to be a, a catwalk in, there's going to be a fashion week in June? Nobody knows what's going to happen in June. But we all hope for something that looks a little bit more like 
business as usual in June, but there's no way of knowing. But I mean, this is one of the reasons why I also loved this collaboration with Brian, even though it was done before, you know, the lockdown and, and the world went topsy-turvy. There's such a colorful, joyful positivity about it. And if, you know, if we look at what happened after, you know, the, the, the 1918, you know, Spanish influenza, you know, virus, and then, then we went straight into the roaring 20s and everybody wanted joyful and loud and colorful and positivity. Brian and your creations together are, will be perfectly timed for when we all want to celebrate and dance together. Um, I can say from my perspective, living in the U.S., there's already a, a, a pretty big difference in the, the uh, I guess, the overall uh, feeling, gen like just from the change in administration. Uh, people are very excited. Um, business seems to be Businesses in general seem to be getting much better, especially in the arts, from what I hear from my friends. It's the only good news the world got in those in the last few months, huh? Just yeah, just since uh, the uh, the election, I yeah, people are buying artwork pretty wildly. Hmm. That's what I've noticed, which is which is a good um, which is great. I, I feel like people people want stuff that's exciting and colorful right now. I don't even think they realize that they're doing it either. I think they're just like feeling good and they want to, they want to do something interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, that bodes well for both you, Brian and Berluti and you, Chris. So fingers crossed that, that positivity, you know, continues through 2021 and onwards. Don't want to miss an episode of the Oda podcast. All you have to do is download our app in the Apple store or visit Oda's Spotify account. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. And don't forget to leave a review and tell your friends about the new Oda podcast.